0: There's a, there's a lot of information, a lot of good information out there, a lot of learning to be done on the internet, uh, but yeah, I, I think there's is just as much good as there is out there. There's an equal amount of bad. Jeff
1: Stabler here, and you're listening to Vantage, conversations about students, parents, and education in the light of God's word. This is episode two in our series, Teens and Their Use of Technology. If you didn't get a chance to listen to episode one, you might want to go back and do that now. It serves as an orientation into the world of teens and technology, and especially examines how teens use and think about social media. Today, we're going to delve deeper. Actually, much deeper. Okay, let me set the stage for you here. A few days ago, I was covering for our senior Bible teacher, since he was out, and I had all the senior boys, four classes, and I thought, what a great opportunity for me to pick their brain. I knew that coming up soon, I was going to be speaking about technology at the fifth grade parent meeting, and I thought, what a great idea to ask these senior boys what they thought parents ought to know, right? Because they're going to know what students are facing a whole lot more than I would. So I asked them a few questions, but I started off with one, and their answer absolutely floored me. To be honest, I thought the question would kind of irritate them. So here's the question. Should a sixth grader be allowed to have a smartphone? Of course, I was fully expecting, I mean, this is a group of senior boys. They're all going to say yes, right? Yeah, sure. Give them the technology. What they actually said, though, was overwhelmingly no. In fact, there were only two boys in the entire senior class that said, yeah, I think it'd be okay. That translates to 95%. 95% of senior boys here at LCS say a 6th grader should not have a smartphone. Okay, I had to get to the bottom of this. I mean, why not? What are they thinking? Over the course of the day, I had some really good dialogue with these students. But one student in particular seemed to capture the essence of what these students were saying. Here's my discussion with him.
0: Um, Well, for me, at least I remember... um Whenever I think about, you know, my activity on social media and the internet uh, when I was that young, I regretted a lot of the things that I've done, said, or looked at, and uh, you can't really take that back, so I don't know if that's going to come back later. You know what I mean? I I was a kid, but uh, still, just the fact that it's out there kind of creates uneasiness Hmm. in me, you know what I mean? Um, So yeah, I don't think it's a good idea for kids that young. To have such, such unrestricted access to something like the internet or uh, social media. I mean, social media can be used for there. There's good things about it, but there's also a lot of a lot of stuff on there that I really wish I hadn't seen or done. Yeah. So you said you can't take it back. What do you mean by that? Um, it's out there on the internet. Everything that you do on the internet is recoverable. So. Um, Everything, if I've said something mean or if I've said something that maybe uh, I thought was funny at the time but it's kind of tasteless, uh, that's out there and that's tied to my name from now on. But can't you just delete it from your social media account? Well, you can delete it to where you can't see it, but it's in the, so if I said a uh, mean comment on Facebook or Instagram, it, that is always a part, the Facebook and Instagram has the logs of everything I've ever said on there, uh, regardless of whether I delete it uh, to where I can't see it, it's still out there. So. Mm-hmm. so for a sixth grader,
1: I mean, why can't you just say, here's your smartphone, but we're not going
0: to give you access
1: to social media?
0: Uh, well, the, then the sixth grader, they, they don't really understand. They're not there yet. And so they see that their, their friends have that. And uh, so I guess they can grow a little bit resentful. Um, and I, I would have been just as resentful if my parents wouldn't let me have a social media. But I feel like now... I would have understand that and would have been very thankful had they at least um, been a little bit closer in their monitoring of it. I mean, they did monitor it, but, uh, you know, obviously you can't catch everything, so. So, do you think that it is worse now for sixth graders than when you were in sixth grade, about the same? What What's your perception of that? Uh, well, I think that social media being around for so long, um, there's certainly a lot of very dark, kind of edgy humor. Um, and that, that's gotten very popular since I've gotten on social media. And so, uh, I mean, when I hear the sixth graders talk, sometimes if I'm in the study center, it's, it's jokes that I wouldn't dare have even thought about or, or said back then. Uh, but that's becoming so normalized on the internet. And with these kids having access to the internet, that's kind of normalizing it in their head. So it's kind of a desensitization to to all sorts of hor- horrible subjects.
1: What do you think the long term effects of that will be
0: for them? I guess just the fact that uh, their their sense of right and wrong is going to be a little bit skewed from that. Um, there's so much. I mean, they they make jokes out of of nine eleven, the school shooting that just happened in Parkland. There's all there's already all sorts of the jokes and, and humor being spread around about that, so I feel like that's gonna create a um, that's gonna take the seriousness out of everything. Uh, so that that kind of scares me to think that you know, whenever they're they're old enough, they're gonna be in charge making decisions for the country and the world, and uh, their their sense of right and wrong, and how serious they take you know something such as, as war. Or, or anything like that, or, or s- tragedies, that kind of worries me to think about, you know, what their take will be on it in the future. And
1: you really think that social media is what's behind that, that they wouldn't just be that way anyway if there wasn't social media?
0: No, I, I, I full-heartedly believe that, full-heartedly.
1: That social media is what's mm-hmm. what's driving that. Mm-hmm. So what would you think a good strategy for a parent should be? They've got a kid who's in sixth grade, you say, don't give them a cell phone. Well, what's the
0: alternative? Don't they need to stay in, in contact with their kids? Well, I think a, a, a cell phone, that's just practical in today's, in today's world. Um, I, I mean, they could theoretically have a smartphone, but I think that the parents need to do a good job of, uh, not just a good job, but they don't need to just take, keep them from getting on the internet or, or social media and not tell them why, just say, it's bad. You'll understand later. You'll thank me later because the kid's not going to get anything out of that. You have to explain um, the the seriousness of that. What you see on the internet, what you see, you know, in life, you can't unsee. You can't unhear. And uh, once you have an idea planted in your brain, you can't get that out. So I think that the parents need to have a discussion with their children. And also, you know, in addition to monitoring what they what they view, how long they can be on the internet. Um, i I think that it's just the unrestricted access is where the uh the negative effects come in and to be clear
1: your your parents you said did not just give you free reign is that right, right. they did not so even
0: somebody who's had some of that you yeah. still
1: feel the effects
0: of that i but I never really had the discussion with my parents so i I figured it was just my parents you know being old and worried about the internet for no reason they don't know what they're talking about but uh now at at eighteen years old i I see you know i I really um that they they did have my best interest in mind, and um, I really wish that I kind of listened to that. So when do you think a student should have a smartphone? Um, I think that you can get a smartphone whenever you're in at in a certain level of understanding, and there's no really way to measure your understanding, so I think it's something that a parent would kind of have to figure out. Um, but... I definitely don't think it's all right. Well, I I think you know with with uh monitoring it could be all right, but in the formative years in middle school cuz middle school is is just as formative as is your first 5 years, I think. Um you, the way you change from 10 years old until 14, it's it's incredible how different you are. So I think that having a smartphone during that period of time can really change or it can really you know shape how how you turn out. And I think that's a little bit of a gamble um, and not something that I'd be willing to risk with my child. So I think that at a certain age, probably around fifteen, sixteen, um, whether they're not done growing or maturing by any means, but they' they've gotten that the awkward middle school phase out of the way. So I think that that may be a, uh, a good time to think about it.
1: Okay, so your, your vision then, and and you've thought a lot about this, apparently, as as what you will do with your children. Yeah. So, do you think it's important that parents are not really antagonistic towards social media?
0: Yeah, I think that whenever you have sort of an ata- antagonistic attitude, your your kid doesn't, they may think that, oh, the, you know, like I did, uh, my parents, they just, they don't understand. They're not on the internet. They're old. They're out of touch with this. Um, I think that, you know, the technology with the Internet, that's only going to get further integrated into our society and our everyday lives. So there's no point in trying to, you know, mm-hmm. keep away from it. But you can go into it and, and, and try and make the best out of it. Get the best out of, out of the technology. Don't, don't just fear it and run away from it or point at it and say it's bad. Acknowledge that there's negative parts about it, but there, there's also good to it. You ever have conversations with your friends about these things? Yeah, I do, actually. Really? Yeah. So you guys are talking about how social media is affecting you and Yeah, no, I um there there's definitely, I mean, there's things I've seen on the internet that uh, I'll never forget. You know, and it's it's stuff that most, you know, when people uh it, it's something that you would never see in 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 the natural, you know, I I would Probably never stumble across some of the things that you've seen on the internet, and the fact that I've seen those as a kid you know I don't know how that's gonna affect my mind later in life um, so I guess I'm not really anxious to find out but uh, I'm just kind of i'm I'm kind of nervous for the the upcoming generation because uh, it's definitely um there's definitely a lot out there that can that can mess with you and 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 kind of shake you to the core. You know your beliefs, your faith about things. Um, so yeah.
1: As I talked to other students throughout the high school, I found that there were many others who shared his same concerns. Students seemed to understand that they had been exposed to too much too soon. Listen to this exchange between two ninth grade girls now. These are not their actual voices, but the words are their actual words. Well, we see like a lot of really inappropriate stuff on social media daily. I guess we don't really think it's a big deal anymore because we just see it so often. It's really bad stuff. We kind of just brush it off our shoulder, but that's really changing the way our brains work and our humor and our morality in some ways. Yeah, that's true. It comes up not on your stuff for the people you follow or add, but it's just there. On Instagram, there was the Explorer thing, and it just, whatever pops up, pops up, but I'm just like, oh no. I continued this discussion in a classroom of ninth grade girls, and in this recording, you'll hear part of that discussion. These are the actual voices of the girls in that conversation. How old do you think a student would be when they first encounter some really inappropriate material? Middle school. You think middle school? Middle school. Okay. Um, do you think that parents know about that or don't know about that, or how do you think parents handle that? They don't. They don't. They oh don't know. You don't think that they know about it. What do you think they would do if they did? They would probably try and figure out who the person's parents are. In my interaction with teens, this seemed to be a common theme that. Parents just didn't get the actual extent of what they were dealing with when it came to issues of social media and technology. A February 7th New York Times article by the journalist Maggie Jones affirmed this parental ignorance. Now, she's focusing specifically on the issue of pornography, and she says this, quote, Preliminary analysis of data from a 2016 Indiana University survey of more than 600 pairs of children and their parents reveals a parental naivete gap. Half as many parents thought their 14 to 18-year-olds had seen porn as had, in fact, watched it. And depending on the sex act, parents underestimated what their kids saw by as much as 10 times, end quote. So, uh, where does this leave students? Well, one student summed it up well. This is not her voice, but these are her words. We don't really talk to our parents as much as we probably should. We change through the years because of social media. Someone said because of what we see, we brush it off our shoulder, but it still affects us, but our parents don't know. So we just continue to change, and our parents just can't keep up with us. Why can't parents keep up? Well, largely because they're just unaware. They're unaware of the reality and the extent of what their children are actually faced with on social media. So what can a parent do? Well, first, it's important to acknowledge that there's a major worldview issue at stake here, and it's this, we live in a world that's corrupted by sin. And that corruption is not just out there, but it's in here. It's it's in me as well. And that language of corruption is vital because it implies that there was something good that has been vandalized. As students engage in technology and social media, they see glimpses of good all over the place. And their their hearts long for these things. There's the goodness of relationship, the goodness of belonging, the goodness of creativity, the goodness of humor and play. Why are these things good? Because God is good, and every good and perfect gift is from Him, and yet we see how all the goodness is spoiled. It's it's perverted. The desire for relationship, for intimacy gets twisted into the horror of pornography. The, The power of joyful creativity gives place to pride and and to abuse and the goodness of belonging morphs into exclusion into bullying and violence and and certainly laughter and humor becomes base and demeaning. And so we look at this and say how in the world does that happen? Well, here's where we can have a great conversation with students. It happens because we doubt the goodness of the gift-giver. So we turn our backs on him and We try to find ultimate meaning in the gifts themselves. We actually think the creation somehow can be disconnected from the Creator. And the bottom line is that we try to get something out of technology that's just not designed to give. Uh, Technology is a good gift and is, is designed to enrich our relationship with a good God. And when we try to use it otherwise, it just rips us apart. And this is precisely where so many students find themselves. They're they're being ripped apart without a grid for understanding what's happening to them. You know, they didn't enter the world of technology to pursue evil. No, they they just wanted to have fun, to interact with their students. And that's the main reason they want to use technology now. But they encountered the perversion and the corruption. and, and, And make no mistake, it's really perverse. It's really corrupt. And even though they know this, they know that this is not... Good, and they find something in their heart that's drawn to it. They don't know why, but it is. And as a result, they don't have a lot of hope. They want to get rid of it, and and, and at the same time, they find themselves. They just want to keep looking, and they can't imagine having a discussion about any of this with an adult. They just don't think an adult could possibly understand. But here's where we have just an incredible opportunity. The Gospel makes so much sense out of our technological experience. Of course there's goodness in it. Uh, It's a gift from a good God. But of course there's brokenness and perversion in it because we live in a fallen world. And so what's the answer? Well, it's not to get rid of all technology. Technology is not the problem. The problem is that we've rebelled against our maker and we bear the consequences of that. The answer then, it's just almost too good to be true. That God Himself entered our broken world to redeem us. Students are just feeling the crushing weight of technological sin. They, They deal with it every day, but we can share with them the incredible news that Christ has borne the guilt of our sin. That includes our technological sin, so that He might redeem us. He came to restore us, so there is hope, and that hope should just motivate us to speak to students about these issues. When students are able to have conversation with, a, with an adult about these things it makes a profound difference consider my conversation with these two junior boys do you guys feel like you have adults in your life that you can talk to about these things oh yeah of course is that really important to you well, yeah definitely and having older people just talk to you about anything especially issues mm-hmm. Do you think that most of your classmates would really long to have a com- an honest conversation with adults about these issues?
0: I think so, but they may not realize it. Yeah, there's a lot of people that would like to ignore that, think, oh, there's no problem, technology is just here. It's
1: Right, I think that's one of the cons of technology is it's really made us look towards one another for approval and talk to one another about things more
0: than it has teachers or parents. It's kind of, you know, it's part of us, so it's easier for us to talk to one another about it than it is for people who don't
1: look at everything the same way that we do. So as adults, we really have to take the initiative here. Our goal should be to bring the hope of the gospel to students. We're not trying to keep them from technology. Instead, we want to help them inhabit the realm of technology with wisdom, and that means we need to exercise wisdom We can't be reflexive or, even worse, passive when it comes to these issues. We need a plan. Maybe it would help us to think about it if we drew a parallel between teaching students about technology and teaching them to drive a car. I think most of us would agree that learning to drive a car is a healthy skill, something we want our children to grow up and learn to do. However, we understand there's a process here. We don't just take our keys and toss them to our elementary or middle school students and say, have at it, but nor do we keep them out of cars altogether. Instead, they spend the better part of the elementary and middle school years riding around with us, observing our driving habits. If we make the connection to technology, we need to model healthy habits when it comes to our use of technology so that students can learn from us what this looks like. We should spend a lot of time using technology together with our students, especially when they're in elementary school and in middle school. And if we extend the driving metaphor further, when they're old enough to begin to operate a vehicle, we take them through yet another process. They spend time behind the wheel with us and in the seat next to them. Uh, once again, the parallels between this and technology should be fairly obvious. It's not wise for a parent just to throw a device to a child and give them unrestricted access, especially in those early in, uh, elementary and middle school years. We need to supervise what they're doing and, and help them and give correction along the way. At some point, a student will become ready to drive. They'll go out on the road on their own. But even then, we don't just release them to go out on some sort of cross-country trip. No, we ask questions. We require them to let us know where they're going, when they're going to get back. And we should have the same sort of standards with technology. Yes, at, at some point, we must allow students to navigate technology on their own. But even then, we still need to be involved in their life and helping them along the way. If you're the parent of a younger child, I think it's a really healthy thing to develop a plan for how and when you'll introduce technology into the life of your child. This is not a one-size-fits-all approach here, um, but maybe it'll go something like this. First, you introduce a family tablet, uh, one that can be closely monitored, and you allow them only to use it when they're in your presence. Then, as they mature, you might introduce a desktop, one that stays in a public location, certainly one that you have access to. From there, you might allow them to have their own tablet and then maybe a laptop. And again, it should be close oversight here. You definitely should require them to give you all their passwords. But the pinnacle of all of this would be the smartphone. Now, I'm certainly not going to offer specific ages, at which I think these things should be introduced. That's going to be up to each individual parent. And different children mature at different rates, so there may be some flexibility in that as well. But, in all of this, we would do well to carefully listen to what the senior boys here at LCS said. You remember the question, should a 6th grader have a smartphone? And overwhelmingly, they said, no. In other words, as they reflect on their own development, they wish that the time that they had without a smartphone had been extended. Now, what do you do if you're a parent listening to all this and you've already let the horse out of the barn, so to speak? All your children have smartphones and and they may be fully immersed in the world of social media and technology. Well, I think at this point we at least must begin to engage our children in conversations, honest conversations that ask some pretty tough questions maybe one way to start that conversation would be to listen to this podcast together and just ask them, you know, do you agree or disagree with the senior boys? Do they have a point? Uh, what do you think? It's also really important to have conversations with other parents. We really need to help each other on this matter. This, this isn't a time just to go it on our own. We need all the help we can get. And lastly, don't be afraid to backtrack if you feel like you need to. If you come to the conclusion that your child having a smartphone is harmful to them, Well, do something about it, even if it means they'll be upset with you, even if it means acknowledging you've made some mistakes. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Vantage. If you feel this episode has been helpful, share it with your friends. To receive updates on further episodes, click on the subscribe button. If you'd like more information about LCS, you can find us online at www.lcsonline.org. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you'd like to contact us via email, you can at vantage at lakelandchristianschool.org. Special thanks to audio engineer Jordan Burks. He also composed our theme music. I'm Jeff Stabler, and we'll catch you next time on Vantage.